Hello and greetings, bonjour, um, good and Morgan. Welcome to the Jarek Show, uh, your weekly dose of uh, all things language and cybersecurity. I, as always, am Javad Malik, so let's get into it. Welcome to the Jarek Show. Featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. That was, uh, that was pretty bad there, Javad. That really, that really was. I, wow. I, I apologize for him, folks, uh, for him being a part of this mess. I, I just don't know what else to say. What do you think, Javad? Thank you for for being my 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 PR rep to go out and apologize on my behalf for my mistakes. Uh, you will go far in life, I'm sure. We're trying to run a high quality show here, okay? Absolutely. And the best quality show there is, <sighs> given the talent. Given the talent. So I see you're wearing a John Deere hat today. Uh, what is the? Do you own a John Deere? I, I actually do. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Have you tried jailbreaking it and voiding the the manufacturer warranty, or is this a dumb tractor you've got? It's a dumb tractor. <laughs> yeah, no, I, man, that is such a big mess uh, with the whole you know ownership thing, and yeah, wow, uh, not a fan of that. But my tractor is small and it's dumb, but very useful, kind of like you. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I will give you that one. Well played, sir. Well played. You don't do it often, but when you do, it uh, it actually hits well. So uh, before you get a bit too comfortable, <laughs> let's oh. kick off with the first story we've got here today mm. is ransomware victim numbers rose by 50% in 23. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, how about that? I mean, we've heard some people say that, oh, no, ransomware's kind of fallen off and so on and so forth. But um, at least the number of victims, if not the losses, has jumped pretty good. Yeah, so um, this seems like the gift that keeps on giving for for, for criminals. Like, yeah, yeah. sent organizations, well, per week. 80, no, not 80%, sorry, nearly 80 organizations per week, per week. Were, were hit. Uh, and of course, we don't hear about most of them, right? It's it's the smaller ones that get hit. You know, I, I knew some people that um, they had like a, a yacht dealership here in Tampa and a friend of mine worked for them in sales and they got hit. And you know what I mean? It's It's always or it's often the little ones that we don't hear about. Yes, that, the little uh, ones up... that look after millionaires and their yachts. Poor little ones that got hit by ransomware. Wow, that sounds like a very rich man problem, but... I don't have a yacht. I don't even have a small boat, man. <laughs> so don't look at me. Don't look at... I do have a kayak. I have a kayak, though. Okay, That's okay. quite the same, though. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, it, it feels a bit like Groundhog Day sometimes where we talk about ransomware almost like on a weekly basis i think yeah. we've even joked in the past about how we should just call this a ransomware show because every week there's just stories about ransomware that dominate and do you see an end game here well like what's the end goal here do you think security will ever 
catch up or prevent it? Or is it something that's going to carry on happening? You know, where are we with this? It, it's a bit like, you know, what can we do? And and according to this story, it's only going up. So are our efforts in futile, should I say? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, we, we're developing better responses and stuff to that. If you remember back uh, before 2019, ransomware was just a matter of encrypting your files, taking people offline. It was, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, that was problematic, but they were able to recover from that if they had good backups. But then Maze came on the scene and started stealing data too. And that's really changed the game. I really think because of that, we're not going to see this go away. I mean, if, if you look at what happened earlier this year uh, or last year, rather, with, uh, you know, a lot of these um, uh, move it things, they didn't even bother encrypting anything. They just stole data and held it ransom. Yeah. Far less problems dealing with key management and, you know, the infrastructure behind that and all that. And they made a lot of money. So it kind of makes sense. I think anymore, the big money here is in the data theft and, while data theft has been a thing for a while, we've now morphed into stealing the data and not just selling it, but selling it back to the owners, which is more lucrative, I think, than throwing it on some uh, some dark web markets. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're interested in the geographical distribution, almost half were based in the US. And then you have the UK, Canada, Germany, and the French. So um, it's it's interesting that um, US, UK and Canada, I think that makes sense because English speaking nations and they have a lot of the companies and what have you. Germany and France are, were interested because traditionally we've seen like non-English speaking nations not being targeted as much. But, uh, you know, I suppose Germany, especially it does have a lot of industry there. It does have a lot of computing power and France, they were probably just hacked just so that someone could find out when they're planning their next demonstrations. <laughs> well, Germany, I mean, there's a lot of manufacturing in Germany. Oh yeah. yeah look at that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Germany is, is heavy on manufacturing. Um, and that's one of the big areas that gets hit. And that is a place where taking the stuff offline has a very negative um, kind of, you know, a, a negative impact as opposed to the data theft. When you stop those lines from working and everybody's just standing around with their thumbs in their butts, that's very costly. And so it makes it to where they're willing to pay ransom. Is that a German thing? Uh, nine. Nine. Okay. Just in general, man. I have seen, I, I've worked in manufacturing and seen what people do when the, when the line goes down and they're bored. It's, it's just not a pretty thing. We don't ever want that to happen. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. Keep the workers working. Nice one, comrade. Okay. <laughs> now we come over to this side of the pond. Yeah. Uh, Southern water notifies customers and employees of a data breach. Uh, this could equate to somewhere between 230,000 and 460,000 people. Um, are they a pretty big, I mean, are they they really a pretty big uh, a water supplier? Is that someone you've heard of before or dealt with? Yeah, so your suppliers are built, there's, there's a bunch of suppliers around the place. So you got Thames Water, you got like, you know, Southern Water, East, you know, whatever. There, there's a whole bunch of these these water things around. So they, they have them like, 
sectioned off like the mafia like you that's your turf you supply them water at high rate we'll supply the water over here and so they they do have a lot of um you know customers and and what have you yeah thames water does not sound like something i would want to drink I, i've seen that river and uh yeah the water is clean it's just the muddy base that gives it a dark brown color but if you take a cup and pour it out it's perfectly drinkable next time um you're welcome oh. to try yeah so so if you've ever are you familiar with terry pratchett right yeah um yeah so um the disc world series uh ank Morpork with the river you can walk across they try to throw bodies in it and nothing sinks right that yeah. That's what we're talking about here. That's what I that's what I equate that river to. Yeah, you're just like stereotyping it. But um uh-huh. I am uh -huh. impressed you you are familiar with the river and stuff outside of the US. So that, I suppose I'll give you that. Oh, look who's joining us this morning. Oh he's in a kilt. He's in a kilt. Why is he in a kilt? I honestly can't tell you, man. Okay. You have some okay, weird yeah. <laughs> On that <Thanks>. note. <laughs> Hello, James. Anyway, uh, now we hop back over to your <sighs> neck of the woods with your old stomping grounds, the U.S. military, which you proudly remind us about nearly every week. Um, were you notified? Uh, were you among the 20,000? Uh, uh, no, 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 because this this is something that recently happened. Um, and, and this is actually, this is something that I'm very surprised the DOD here is doing, which is moving to a cloud that's run by someone else, in this case, Microsoft. I've talked to some of my old colleagues before, and they're just kind of like face palming the idea of having a private company like Microsoft running military type stuff. And this is exactly the kind of thing that is a concern with that. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, the problem is that you got great salespeople going out saying everybody's moving to the cloud. So therefore it is secure. And we we have all these certifications. We have this. We have that. And we can patch stuff quicker than you can do it. We can manage it a lot quicker than you do it and what have you. Um, and it reminds me once of this. Um, so this is before this, this like early 2000s. And uh, I was on a course and someone was talking about um, the biometric system that some military installations have. And uh, he was talking about how the false positives and false negatives rates are, are, are really off on that. You, you normally have to dial it up or down one way or another. And he goes, the reason why they're not publicly available or installed publicly is because they're quite easy to bypass. Uh, and then so someone said, why does the military use it? And he goes, because there are big guys with big guns around that area. So yeah. if they see you messing around with it many times, you're not going to get very far. That's the mitigation for that yeah. issue is the guys with the guns, right? No, you know what? I mean, I I, I saw some of the, the, the only true like three factor I saw at the military. Um, and, and I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, you had to have a cat card which was a common access card, a smart card, basically, with a certificate mm -hmm. on it. You had to know the PIN for that, and you had to use biometrics to get into some of the areas. That was three distinct factors. 
that's reasonably good type stuff right yeah. and then yeah there's there's cameras and people with guns around too so that yeah. that kind of helps as well um what was interesting for this is the cloud email server hosted on the cloud for government customers if you scroll other way other way yeah was accessible from the internet without a password likely oh. due to a misconfiguration mm. how many times have we seen s3 buckets other mm. stuff like this you know that that's kind of yeah it is what it is man yeah this you know it's it's one of those things where you stop becoming angry about this stuff after a while and you just become like apathetic and thinking why do we ever believe anyone that anything is remotely secure sort of you know here's the thing is you know you mentioned security in the cloud and you know it must be more secure or whatever the, the problem with the cloud is not necessarily that it's insecure because it can be secured pretty well. The problem is when you have an oops, it's not just exposed to your internal network, right? It's exposed to the world. And there's people in the world that are constantly looking for something like this. Yes. So the, the problem is when it goes bad, it goes very bad. I mean, I don't know about you, You, I, I believe once you worked on computers and networks, but I have in the past uh, misconfigured some things and found out that, oh, wait a minute, that's, you know, that's a little too easy to get to. But it's on the internal network, which is not to say that that's OK. We've all kind of done it. But when, again, you expose that stuff out to the Internet, all of a sudden, man, and, and you know, on internal networks, if somebody's moving a couple terabytes off, it's a lot easier to see sometimes yeah. than it is in the cloud yeah. where, where it's like, oh, we'll just spin up some more resources to deal with this and bill you for them, of course. <laughs> but we're going to yeah. go ahead and spin up more resources for the people stealing your data. How's that sound for you? Yeah. Right? And you need a PhD to figure out the billing for, yeah, for a yeah. lot of these cloud providers anyway. You, you have no idea. I'm I'm running three virtual PCs. My bill could be twenty dollars, or it could be twenty thousand dollars, somewhere in between. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I have a I have an AWS account that I, I've run some little stuff on just to see kind of what it does, and it's so hard to figure out what the hell you're. I don't. I really think you almost need a PhD in cloud billing to be able to go in and say, this is what it's going to cost us. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before and I know we're a little bit off topic here, but I think a, a lot of organizations are realizing that, which is why we're seeing some of the pullback to a hybrid environment with some things in the cloud, but a lot of other things also being on-prem now where there was that big push to just throw everything in the cloud before, because it'll be cheaper, it'll be better. And, and hasn't really lived up to that. No. No, it hasn't. It, it's all quite, you know, you, you give up a lot of control. And then we, what we see is we don't have that layered control. So like you said, one small loops can expose the stuff to the whole world. So you don't have that those layers. You don't have, you know, you lose a lot of visibility. You lose a lot. You know, they're going to say, yeah, of course, you've got cloud, tra cloud trails and, you know, whatever logs and what have you. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit like, you know, if you're, you know, if, if if someone's got Tourette's, it's better that they have it in their house than out in public, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Unless you take them to a baseball game, right? Or is that a deuce yeah. big low, right? right. <laughs> um, no, that, that's a that's a good point, though. You know, it, I don't know. The, the 
the modern way of doing things, if you think about the data that we generate on a daily basis too, right? So yeah, there are cloud logs and stuff like that. But think about how much information we generate every day in the way of logs compared to 10, 15 years ago, right? It's a struggle to keep up with that. And then when you have a whole lot of stuff going on, man, I mean, it's, it's real easy to miss stuff. It's real easy to... Uh, have to limit what you're seeing and what you're reporting on or what you're alerting on so you don't have alert fatigue, it's your sock, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it is a whole, it's a whole challenge when it comes to this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we are way off topic. But, no, uh, no. But I think I think that's why you see like the, 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 there's, again, there was this big push to collect all the data, shove them into a sim, you know, create a data lake, you get a Splunk and an Arcsite and everything and, and, and try to do it. Um, but I think the, 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 the good thing that arose from that is then you ended up with products like um, Canary, like the Thinks Canary, which is like a honeypot, which is like, we're only going to yeah. send you one alert, but you can pay attention to that alert. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's real. Exactly. Yeah, that's a real alert. Um, you know, so things like that, I think, are really, really, you know, where we probably need to go more. And uh, did you have a heart email meal for Valentine's Day? Oh, that no, just no. no. <sighs> okay. Thanks for feeling the mood, yeah. James. <laughs> so you know what? Yeah, you mentioned we we talk about this. Do you remember the target breach? Right, came in through HVAC, and yeah, they yeah. didn't see it because <laughs> they they had too much noise floating around out there, and they just let it go right like, yeah. like they didn't see it because of that that was years ago and we're still fighting this battle so yeah i know i hype this up as like the only show you need to watch uh every week but it's also the show that's guaranteed to uncure your depression if <laughs> if you're looking for a career in cybersecurity, are you too happy <laughs> <laughs> then this could be the career for you. And you too can be a 23-year-old like Eric who looks like he's 60. So, you know, I was uh, thinking about doing a workshop at a B-Sides. And mm -hmm. basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to set it up so everybody stands around and just bangs their head in the wall. And it'll just be prep for those getting into the industry, right? <laughs> Here's what pain feels like. Let's do this. Yes. What do you think? Yes. I think that that'll go down a treat or like, you know how they have those rage rooms yeah. where like, <laughs> what, like a security version of that where, where you can just have the printers and the, like the office space out there. Yes, yes, yes. We can office space it out. I think that's a brilliant yeah. idea. See, you've come out with a good roast. You come up with a good idea. I'm not even going to kick you off today because of that. So thank you so much for your contributions today, Eric. Even a broken, broken clock is correct twice a day. Um, see you next week, everyone. Stay secure.